0: Are you looking to add more excitement and intrigue to your Dungeons & Dragons games? Tired of those in-between moments of twiddling your thumbs waiting for your turn to come around again? Well, fret no more. The newly developed Simulacrum lockpicking game is here to make your game nights even more dynamic and enjoyable. The Simulacrum is a magnetic lockpicking puzzle game with 16 possible combinations and comes with 8 lockpicks that are double-sided. You insert a lockpick, then deduce the right combination through tactile and auditory feedback as the magnets are attracted and repelled across four locking pins. You aren't into Dungeons & Dragons? No problem! The simulacrum can satisfy the adventurous minds of those who are just into lockpicking challenges in general. I have personally played with the simulacrum and found it to be an awesome way to sharpen my problem-solving and lockpicking skills the level of difficulty is perfect. This fantastic new product is now available from Temporal Travels and can be purchased at temporaltravels.etsy.com. That's T-E-M-P-O-R-A-L travels.etsy.com. Order one for yourself or a friend today. Hey Christmas lovers, welcome back to Holidays After Dark, the podcast that takes a look at the strange and fascinating sides of the mainstream holidays we all know and love. I'm your host, Kristen. We are less than a week away from the big day, and I'm sure most of you are in the midst of trying to get those last few things done before Christmas Day. After all, there are always lots of cookies to be baked, food to be prepped, and last minute presents to be obtained and wrapped. This week always kind of feels like rounding the home stretch of a big race that you've been running for a couple months now, except the difference here is that it's a race I don't want to cross the finish line of. I live for the hustle, bustle, and busyness of the holiday season, and I will soon miss it once again. But while the Christmas season is still upon us, it got me thinking about some of the elements of this time of year that I cherish the most— Last year, I did an episode titled Christmas Part 4 My Favorite Things, so I thought this year I would follow it up with My Favorite Things Part 2 and share even more of the things I love about Christmas time. I hope you have as much fun listening to my lists as I did writing them, and hopefully, it will inspire you to send some gratitude to the people, food, decor, and movies that help make your holidays complete. Here are some of my favorite things. There are many different colors, color schemes, and patterns that have come to represent the most wonderful time of the year, and everyone seems to have a different opinion about which is the best. Some people, such as myself, prefer to stick to the more traditional Christmas colors, while others like choosing decor with modern hues such as blue, purple, and even pink. No shade, though, pun intended, as I of course encourage everyone to decorate with whatever colors your heart desires, this time of year and always. With that said, here are my top three favorite Christmas colors. In third place is silver. This modern metallic screams classic Christmas to me and manages to give both a warm and sort of industrial feel to my holiday decor. When I think of silver, I picture glistening snowflakes, Christmas tins filled with candy and cookies, the bells on Santa's reindeer, and the hooks that hang ornaments from evergreens and assist with making the trees look more beautiful than ever. I don't personally use tinsel on my tree, but the color silver definitely sparks some mental images of these shimmering strands draped all over branches this time of year. The way silver outdoor decorations shimmer in the sun and the way they reflect off freshly fallen snow really makes it a magical color that brings wonder and elegance to any Christmas landscape. In second place is the color green. Is there really a color more true to Christmas time than green? After all, it is the color of the ultimate Christmas staple the evergreen tree. All year long, when I notice various shades of green, it feels like I use Christmas tree green as my baseline for comparison. There is something so warm and comforting about that dark shade of green. Green garland is one of my favorite Christmas decorations, especially when it's draped over a fireplace mantle or wrapped around a banister or the railing on a front porch. It always feels welcoming when a house has a string of garland framing the exterior and leading the way to the front door. Some other positive associations I have with the color green include Buddy the Elf's whimsical elf jacket, which is green and goes well with his yellow tights and white accents, and of course, the grumpy yet lovable Mr. Grinch. The Grinch's green fur is unbelievably recognizable and unique. It's ironic that being such a bold color, he stands out in a world full of who's when he spends most of the movie wanting to fade away and not interact with others. Another reason why I love green at Christmas time is because it is one half of the classic Christmas color duo green and red, which leads me to my favorite Christmas color, red. The iconic Christmas images that pop into my head when I think of the color red are almost endless. Santa Claus's big red suit and hat are usually the first ones. I usually picture an old-school image of him sitting in a rocking chair next to a big glowing Christmas tree and a roaring fireplace, sipping on a glass bottle of Coca-Cola or holding a mug of hot cocoa. That scene instantly fills my heart with nostalgia and joy. Another character who springs to mind is Rudolph and his shiny red nose. He is just so darn cute, I love his story of overcoming adversity, and I love how unique and heroic he is. In the same way it guides the sleigh on a foggy night, that red snout certainly leads me right into the holiday spirit. I incorporate quite a bit of red into my holiday decor. I love putting red and white candy canes around the house and on my Christmas tree, along with lots of other red ornaments. I hang a couple of red stockings and just have a lot of other red decorations in general. Deeper shades of red are so warm, romantic, and mysterious and it brings a level of elegance and refinement to any room, especially this time of year. Plus, as someone who usually wears all black, red, especially in the darker varieties, is an acceptable part of my wardrobe. when they sit down for their annual Christmas dinner, the turkey, ham, or roast is the star of the show. But for me, this meal is really all about the side dishes. While I do enjoy a nice cut of meat on a holiday, I honestly would be okay with foregoing the centerpiece altogether and just eating all the delicious sides. So here it goes. My third favorite Christmas dinner side dish is cranberry sauce, specifically the way that I make it. So I know there are a lot of mixed opinions, but a cranberry sauce that is shrouded in orange or other flavors is really a pet peeve for me. When I want to taste cranberry sauce, I want to taste cranberries, not some other fruit or heavy domineering flavor. When orange zest or juice is incorporated into the cranberry sauce, it takes over and is the only thing I can taste. So because of this, I stick to the recipe on the back of the bag of fresh cranberries I buy. It's simply water, sugar, and the berries themselves simmered over medium heat until they break down, and then cooled, forming it into a jelly-like sauce. It's the perfect mixture of sweet and tart, and I love it. I enjoy dipping my turkey or other meat into it. I like taking a scoop of mashed potatoes, corn, and cranberry sauce in one bite. It serves as the perfect enhancer for just about everything on the plate, and it wouldn't be a holiday meal without it. Second place when it comes to side dishes is classic green bean casserole. Much like cranberry sauce, I love the simplicity of green bean casserole. Green beans, cream of mushroom soup, and french fried onions nicely toasted are all I need. Also, this is the one time that I actually prefer to use canned green beans over fresh ones. The canned ones are already cooked and softer, which I find makes for a better texture in the casserole. Fresh ones often seem undercooked when used in this dish. Green bean casserole is just so savory and delicious and is the perfect side for this meal. I like scooping some onto the same bite with a piece of turkey, and it also reheats really well. One reheating trick I use to have crispy onions on top every time is to buy some extra and then heat up the casserole in the microwave while toasting some onions in the toaster oven to sprinkle on top. It tastes like it was freshly made every time. And now for the big reveal. My favorite holiday side dish of all time is mashed potatoes. It's hard to fully describe my love of mashed potatoes, I've been obsessed with them for as long as I can remember and have been fortunate to eat lots of good ones throughout my life so far. One thing I feel pretty strongly about when it comes to this wonderful way of preparing potatoes is the fact that only a few ingredients should be used. Potatoes, butter, milk, and salt. I know some people prefer doctoring theirs up and put things like ranch, cream cheese, or sour cream in their potatoes, but in my opinion, if they're made well, you don't need all that stuff. When it comes to potato choice, I've had wonderful mashed potatoes made from Yukon Gold's and your standard russet potatoes, so that's a personal preference. The milk should preferably be warmed up in the microwave before incorporating it into the potatoes, and a stand mixer is ideal for creating the perfect amount of fluff. Even thinking about them right now, my mouth is literally watering. I eat plenty of mashed potatoes all year long, but at Thanksgiving and Christmas time, there is always something a little extra special about them that solidifies my love even more. Too many iconic characters associated with Christmas to name, and each plays an important role in shaping the holiday we know and love today. So many of these characters, whether they are from a Christmas poem, movie, or book, bring us instant feelings of joy and familiarity that lets us know we are home for the holidays. But out of all the characters there are to choose from, three of them mean the most to me at Christmas time. My third favorite Christmas icons are reindeer, especially the ones that pull Santa's sleigh on Christmas Eve. Now, I clearly have a soft spot for these furry guys, as evidenced by my episode All About Them that I released earlier this season. The magic of Santa delivering presents to children on Christmas Eve simply wouldn't happen without these antlered animals. Their magic and determined spirit is what helps the big man get his job done without a hitch. On a more basic level, reindeer are just so cute, especially in depictions like Rudolph and the newer TV special Reindeer in Here, which tells the story of how an adorable little North Pole reindeer named Blizzard had to save Christmas alongside his group of friends. I have quite a few reindeer decorations. I know I have at least a couple Rudolph ornaments, all of the main characters from the TV special in plush form that I display together every year, and a few other general deer-related pieces of decor. They bring me a feeling of happiness no matter what form they take on. In second place, I have the snowy, carrot-nosed, top-hat adorned, and oh-so-lovable snowman. Frosty the Snowman has always been one of my all-time favorites in the wintertime, but really, I'm happy with just about any snowman. In the relatively rare times when we actually get enough snow where I live to build a substantial snow person, I love seeing the snowmen in front of people's houses that they probably spent a decent amount of time out in the cold constructing. There is something so genuine and authentic feeling about snowmen. I really like the fact that they are rolled up from snow and nothing more. And then even more natural elements, like twigs and carrots, are used to adorn them. A great hat, such as an old-school top hat, really helps add a lot of personality to them. So much so that they almost look like they could come to life at any moment. I really have a soft spot for snowmen who look a little rough around the edges. Like maybe they were rolled up with a bit of dirty snow. Maybe their coal eyes and smiles are just a little off or their twig arms don't match exactly. It adds a bit of alternative realism and makes the snowmen even more lifelike, as humans and other beings certainly aren't perfect either. Perhaps unsurprisingly, my favorite Christmas icon of all time is Santa Claus. For me it has always been so obvious why the patron saint of Christmas is so easily lovable. For my whole life he's been a staple of my holiday memories. Of course, when I was a kid, I would eagerly await his Christmas Eve visits. The anticipation leading up to this event was what really did it for me. It was always so exciting flipping through catalogs, deciding what I wanted him to bring me, writing it out in a letter addressed to the North Pole, and then being driven to the post office to mail it. As I got older, Santa remained as a nostalgic comfort item that reminds me of all my childhood Christmas Eve feelings, and I take pleasure in the fact that kids are still experiencing that magic today. When it comes to Santa Claus decor, I've always been a sucker for the old Coca-Cola ads featuring St. Nick, as well as any other old-school classic depictions. For more modern versions, I really enjoy the straight-shooting personality of the Santa in the movie Elf. Tim Allen's Santa Claus in the movie The Santa Claus is lovably clueless and surly. The Santa imagery really doesn't have a stopping point for me this time of year. I have jewelry and shirts with him on it, countless decorative items that depict Santa or something related to him, and I absolutely adore a Christmas cookie shaped like him or his hat. In my humble opinion, it's impossible to have too much Santa Claus during the holiday season. tons of affection for the lovable Christmas characters who have been a part of our celebrations for decades, I can also appreciate a few holiday villains that help bring so many classic Christmas stories to life. In third place, I'll put Professor Hinkle from the 1969 animated special Frosty the Snowman. Professor Hinkle is a not-so-good magician who rarely successfully completes the magic tricks he attempts. When a gust of wind carries his hat away and blows it onto Frosty's head, Frosty comes to life. The professor spends the rest of the movie in pursuit of his hat as Frosty and his human friend Karen attempt to get to the North Pole so Frosty won't melt. Upon finally catching up to them, the three get in a scuffle over the hat, which results in mean old Professor Hinkle locking Frosty and Karen in a hot greenhouse, which proves problematic since Frosty can easily melt. Frosty momentarily turns into a puddle, but is thankfully revived when Santa comes upon them and is able to open the greenhouse door. Santa then manages to change the professor's mean spirit when he threatens to put him on the naughty list permanently. By the end, Professor Hinkle feels guilty, sends out apology letters, and comes to be friendly with Frosty. The reason I enjoy watching Professor Hinkle is due to his touches of ridiculousness he brings to the story. He's kind of goofy, disgruntled, and doesn't come across as being the sharpest tool in the shed. I think he really brings a much-needed element to the film, greatly raising the stakes and putting us on the edge of our seats at important moments through his actions, even if they aren't so nice. In the end, Frosty and Karen are safe and the professor is reformed into a kinder person, so it all works out for the better after a wild ride. In second place, I have the Heat Miser and Snow Miser from the 1974 Rankin Best stop motion animated special, The Year Without a Santa Claus. Getting straight to the point, a large reason why I love these characters so much is because of their extremely catchy songs they each sing in the special. They inevitably get stuck in my head for days each year after I watch the movie. The Miser brothers control the weather, hot and cold respectively. In the special, they are the antagonists, indirectly placing Santa's reindeer vixen, the North Pole, and even the spirit of Christmas in danger. However, through the power of their fear-inducing mother, Mother Nature, they are able to resolve their differences and save Christmas. While the Snow Miser and Heat Miser are evil, they are also quite funny. Breaking into song about attempting to ruin the most important holiday of all has a unique sort of fun element to it. They represent the two extremes of weather we all experience quite well. The heat miser is loud and angry, much like the intensity of summer weather. On the other hand, the snow miser is more mild and somber. He almost seems polite on the surface, covering up his potentially underhanded motives. But with all of that said, perhaps neither one of them are actually evil. Rather, they are symbols of conflict and Mother Nature represents the middle ground, or solution. It's a simple message that helps make them and this Christmas classic a true staple for me. And now, for my all-time favorite Christmas villain, it's The Grinch. This may not be a big surprise, as I have a feeling he ranks pretty high on many people's villain lists this time of year. This big green fella is delightfully disgruntled and the reasoning behind his disdain for society is oddly relatable for many people, helping to create a feeling of empathy for him. I also love anyone who has a cute dog as a sidekick, so seeing his antics with his loyal pal Max really ups my enjoyment level. My favorite rendition of The Grinch is actually the 2018 animated film, where he is voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch. This Grinch has a modern side to him, and I love the way his cave and the town of Whoville are portrayed. One thing that's always been funny to me about the Grinch is the way in which people seem to naturally gravitate toward him, even as he tries to be rude and shut them out. This is seen most obviously in his relationship with Cindy Lou Who. She can see right through his salty exterior and helps him come to realize the magic of Christmas. Clearly, his dog Max can see his good side too, as he truly is man's best friend even when the Grinch isn't so nice to him. And in the 2018 version I mentioned, Mr. Bricklebaum truly believes the Grinch is his best friend and looks right past his tough, green, rude tendencies. The mean old Mr. Grinch is really just a wounded soul when it comes down to it, and seeing his heart grow and his love for Whoville and appreciation for the Christmas season explode at the end of the movie is touching, to say the least. Well, that concludes my 2023 list of favorite Christmas things. Thanks again for listening to my show, now and always. I wish all of you the most Merry Christmas and a very happy, holiday-filled new year. If you have any interesting holiday-related stories or unique fun facts you'd like me to share in an episode this season, feel free to send them to me. Email Kristen at holidaysafterdark.com, direct message at holidayspodcast on Instagram or Twitter, or find Holidays After Dark on Facebook. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss your dose of holiday darkness. A rate or review would also be greatly appreciated. Thank you to my sister Ashley for editing and producing the podcast. Today, I will leave you with some lyrics from the song, You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. You're a monster, Mr. Grinch. Your heart's an empty hole. Your brain is full of spiders. You've got garlic in your soul, Mr. Grinch. I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half foot pole. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. In today's challenging world, it's very easy to start feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed. If you're experiencing any of these feelings, BetterHelp is here for you. They offer licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. You can talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your convenience. There is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network that gives you access to help that may not be available in your area. You just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you're matched with a therapist in as little as 48 hours. You can also request a new therapist at no additional charge at any time. Join the 3 million-plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Holidays That's BetterHelp.com slash Holidays After